0: Welcome to the audio podcast, the weekly sermon of the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. We continue our multi-access worship both online in our recently renovated sanctuary. Sunday morning service is in person at 11 a.m. and we are live on firstchurchbrooklyn.org as well as the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Now, this week's message.
1: I'm gonna begin with a moment of prayer. Oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer, amen. I realize that this is actually my first time in this pulpit. I know I've preached for you once, maybe twice, and those were both Zoom, and then I've seen you about once a month for the past six or seven months. But in those cases, I'm reading from our communion liturgy. And so this is the first time. Well, I can just say whatever I want. Yeah. <laughs> Where to begin? Um, (laughs) Well, I want to begin by just saying thank you for giving me this opportunity to serve as your parish associate. Um, As many of you know, I work full-time as a psychotherapist and as the executive director of the Psychotherapy and Spirituality Institute, but I served many years in full-time parish ministry and have been out of that work for quite a while, and I miss this. I miss sitting in the pews, which I get to do with you now, and I miss being here for that sacred meal and last month for the baptism to be involved in a community of faith. And when I realized that Rebecca Stevens Walter, my old friend from First Church Manhattan and St. Lydia's, was here, and Adrian, I thought, gosh, maybe this is the place for me to spend some time again and some of you may know i've been around for quite a while and i've been around many many years and back and forth to first brooklyn since paul was still here when my friend beth waltemath was serving with you nadine Huntermark, and others and so i know what you have to offer in terms of being church and you are very good at being church And I also just want to lift up, and I know that you all say it frequently, but the leadership that you have in place during this transition, and Connor, and and in Rebecca, who I know is in the other room, and with Barbara and the session, (laughs) And the AV team and Amy and Chris and, you know, all of the names that I haven't mentioned. Yep. I was speaking with Deborah earlier this morning about how amazing what you all are doing in a time of transition that can often be very, very difficult. And I'm sure it is. Um, but, but this is working. And I'm happy to be here. So, today in the church calendar is very exciting. It's sort of a twofer every year when we've come out of of Christmas and moved into the new year because two things can happen on a Sunday like this. And the first one is the celebration of Epiphany, which technically took place on Friday, on the 12th day of Christmas. And that is the day we know when we commemorate the arrival of the Magi from far off lands. To greet the baby Jesus, the newborn king, and to offer their gifts. And what you probably already know, church, is that the Greek word from which Epiphany is derived means manifestation or revelation. And in this case, at Epiphany, is the manifestation and the revelation of the baby Jesus to the world and the baby Jesus as king to the world and whatever that would mean. So some of you may have celebrated Epiphany this morning when you joined Rebecca Stevens Walter out on the sidewalks to participate in that old tradition of chalking the sidewalks with blessings for the coming year. Well, then there's this other thing that is also happening, which is what I'd like to focus on today, which is Baptism of the Lord Sunday, which is also about manifestation and revelation, and in this case, it is the manifestation of another identity of Jesus, this time as God's beloved son. So, as I mentioned before, I am so fortunate that I was here last month when you welcomed, was it 11, Jenny, 11 new members into your midst, including two adult baptisms. I see you, Gerald. I don't know if Marissa is here this morning. Well, congratulations to you, First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn, for bucking the downward trend in church membership across the country. That is extraordinary. And I'm personally grateful that it was taking place at a time when you needed someone to pinch it to administer the sacrament of baptism. And so some of you may have heard a little bit of this lecture before because I met with a new member class the week before they joined to talk a little bit about the sacrament of baptism. And I actually think when I preached for you before, I had a bowl and some water. So it's possible I've already preached baptism to you, but you know what? You just keep going. There's never enough time to talk about baptism. So one of the things that I shared with them about the sacrament of baptism, and I'm going to talk about it in the Christian tradition of the Presbyterian church, right? So I don't assume that people in this congregation are born and bred Presbyterians. It's really not relevant, frankly, right? You came to this church probably not because it's Presbyterian, but because of the music and the worship and the people and the theology right and the hospitality all of it but now here you are in a presbyterian church and so it's important to know that we celebrate two sacraments the two that are attested to in scripture the sacrament of the lord's supper and the sacrament of baptism now what's not attested to in scripture is whether or not you're supposed to baptize babies or adults right and there are, there are different theologies that speak to both of them In the Presbyterian tradition, we generally baptize infants, but we are just as happy to baptize adolescents and adults, because either way, we're reflecting a certain aspect of our Reformed theology, okay? When we baptize infants— we reflect a primary theme of what Reformed Christianity has to say about the sovereignty of God, in this case, that God acts on our behalf before we are able to have any awareness of who God is or how God loves us. That when we baptize an infant, we are recognizing that God chooses us before we have any capacity to choose God. And when we baptize adolescents and adults, we get to reflect on another theme of our faith, which is that we participate also in our relationship with God by choosing God. And our choosing, as Gerald and Marissa did last month, is crucial to our faith journey. And choosing, I made sure to say this, does not mean that we have figured anything out. And it does not mean that we are free of doubts or free of sin, that we are choosing to step onto a path alongside God. And the other thing I'll say about baptism too, is that what we do in baptism is celebrate something that God has already done. Right? You are not missing grace or God or faith if you have not been baptized. Moving on. During the Advent season each year, we are introduced to that strange, strange figure, John the Baptist. He of woolly mane and scruffy appearance, cousin of Jesus and prominent player either as a babe in the womb of his mother, Elizabeth, or as a full-grown man munching on honey-dipped grasshoppers, attested to in every gospel as the one who baptized Jesus in the waters of the Jordan. So we just call him John the Baptist, assuming he's always been called John the Baptist. In scripture, the word used is baptizo, which is Greek, and which translates as to dip repeatedly, to immerse, to submerge, to cleanse by dipping or submerging, to wash, to make clean with water, to wash oneself, to bathe. So another way to think of John is as the bather. John the bather. So John the bather's business was calling the people of Israel to come to the waters for baths of ritual purification, which many of us know attested to in Judaism, right, the ritual purification of the mikvah, called people to the waters for ritual purification to confess and repent of their sins in order to prepare themselves to receive God's forgiveness and salvation, and to be restored to right relationship with God and also for John to ready the people's hearts to receive the one to come. So the sacrament of baptism began as a real bath. We know what constitutes a good bath and what a good bath can do for us. A good bath requires water, of course, preferably lots of it, hot water on a cold day like today and cool water on a steamy one. A good bath may involve the tub or the shower or even a lake or a stream. And to get really clean, to be really refreshed, a good bath means getting under the water, really getting into it, water streaming down the face, wringing it out of our hair, wiping it from our eyes. And we know that a good bath can reorient our perspective, change our mood, make us more hospitable and compassionate, less angry. A good bath can restore our sanity, return us to ourselves, give us a feeling of well-being, of rebirth even. And this hangover time after the holidays when we are just a little grossed out by the spending and the eating and the drinking that we've done, a good long bath might give us the hope that this year might be different, that we might slim down not just our figures but our lifestyles too. In a long shower, we plan our future. We forgive people who have injured us. We grieve. We offer little prayers of gratitude for the privilege of clean water and the gift of solitude. In her book, Honoring the Body, Stephanie Paulsell, professor at Harvard Divinity School, shares the story of her best friend Kay, a great lover of baths after the example of her mother who had, when Kay was just a child, an evening ritual of the bath. Kay told Paulsell the story of a bath she gave to her mother when she was dying of cancer her last bath in a tub. In Kay's words, Mom insists on being clean, and today my sister and I invited her to a bath, if she was up to it, in the late afternoon. The appointed time came. Mom worked and worked and finally sat up on the side of her bed, legs down, feet forward toward the floor. Then the vomiting began, violent vomiting taking her last bit of strength. She told me to draw her bath, showing me with her hands how deep. I turned the bathroom heater on. I cleaned the hair out of the drain trap. I ran all hot water at first to warm the tub, then moderated it, checking with my wrist. She shuffled to the bathroom, sat down on a towel I had placed on the edge of the tub. We undressed her. She stood up, grabbed the grip bar that Dad had installed for her. I stood behind her, straddling the tub, ready to catch her in case she fell. She told me I needed to trust her to know what she could do. And then that precious body that I have looked at, and loved, and memorized, lowered into the water. She never opened her eyes, lay there still, silent, then put her hand out, and I placed a plastic cup in it, as we had discussed I would. She slowly lifted a cup of water and poured it over her arms. Lying back down, she poured another cup over her throat and neck, sighing a tiny sound of pleasure. The water sounded like baptism. Holy, quiet, small splashes. Paul Cell reflects, In the beginning, we dwell in water. We grow in it. And once outside our mother's womb, water continues to keep us alive, washing our every cell. We are bathed inside and out by this life-giving substance of which both we and the earth are mostly made. Bathing is one of the first and most basic ways we honor our bodies. Few other daily acts bring us into such close proximity with our nakedness and our vulnerability. Bathing gives physical expression to the longing to be washed by God in a bath that heals and cleanses, changes, and renews. Our Christian life, therefore, begins with a bath. And so for us, every bath is an opportunity to remember the waters of our baptism, our immersion into the death and resurrection of Christ, Our initiation into the household of God. With every bath, we have an opportunity to recall our truest self, our most authentic identity. And when we gather together for the communal bath of baptism, even our liturgy reminds us to remember the joy of our own baptism as we celebrate the sacrament. It's an odd request to remember the joy of our own baptism, because as I said, many of us were baptized as infants, yet there is a collective memory we are invited to participate in, a memory not of our own making, but shared in community, that gives us access again to that moment, however we experienced it, or even if we have not experienced it. Teacher and preacher Fred Craddock once asked a congregation, how far back can you remember? He told them he had heard of people who claimed to remember way back into their childhood, as early as when they were two or three years old. And then Fred said that on a clear day, he can sometimes remember back to the creation quickly gushes forward and the water as I remember it is bracingly cold and on a hot and humid afternoon in August there is no better place to be than that little sanctuary and parents and children take off their shoes and wade into that little stream with audible sighs of pleasure and when I put my feet into the waters of that stream I am overwhelmed with the memory of another stream, a God-made stream in my favorite spot in the Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina, a wide and slow-flowing brook, a place where I have found God every time I have shown up. Church, it really doesn't matter if we have a pool-sized font or a delicate silver bowl It does not matter if babies or adults are sprinkled or dunked. What matters is that we can count on our collective memory and imagination to conjure the waters of forgiveness and rebirth. And so I invite you, like John the Bather, to come into these waters to remember with joy your own baptism I invite you to come into these waters to be refreshed and renewed. Come together. Come with friends. Come from near and far away. Take off your shoes. Wade into that water. Feel it rushing over your ankles. Come further. There is no danger here. Get your clothes wet. Walk up to your waist, kneel down, and find yourself fully immersed. Because we are a baptismal people. We are a bathing people. And so let us follow Jesus again and again into the waters. May it be so.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust you were fed as well as challenged by the content. This audio archive supplements a video library of the entire service. The video, along with music from our internationally recognized gospel choir, is available on firstchurchbrooklyn.org. We provide multi-access worship options both in person and online Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We are live in the sanctuary, as well as firstchurchbrooklyn.org and the church Facebook page at facebook.com. First Church Brooklyn, all one word, no spaces. Visit firstchurchbrooklyn.org for more information on both online and in-person worship. Remember that now, as always, you are loved.